Hi, welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Michael Melsky, a filmmaker whose credits include Growing Up, Charlie's Own, and Perfume War. His latest feature is The Child Remains, a psychological drama starring Suzanne Clement and Alan Hawko as a couple who discover their quaint country getaway hides a terrible secret. Already on screens in Nova Scotia and Alberta, it's opening in Toronto, Vancouver, and St. John's this Friday, April 18th. Michael picked The Changeling, Peter Medak's profoundly creepy 1980 ghost story starring George C. Scott as John Russell, a composer who sequesters himself in a creaky old mansion after the deaths of his wife and daughter, and soon becomes convinced that the property is haunted by an unquiet spirit. I could run through the rest of the plot, or I could just mention the piano, the rubber ball, and the wheelchair, and send those of you who've seen the movie into screaming fits. Winner of the very first Genie Award for Best Canadian Film, it's also been invoked in conversations about the scariest pictures ever made for almost four decades now. The Wheelchair. This is someone else's movie. It's probably my favorite Canadian horror movie. Um, and it's a huge influence on The Child Remains. I actually rewatched it over the weekend. I've seen it a dozen times, but I, I didn't realize how much oh, I okay. was... That movie was in my head when I was writing and directing. Well, when... Yeah, when... I saw the Child Remains in the fall. Like yeah, you saw the festival, festival cut, right? cut. Yes. And as soon as you said you wanted to do the Changeling, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, it's, but it's not a slavish reproduction or anything. It's just no. It's it's a tribute. The really. mood is the same. Yeah, the mood is the same. Um, you know, the idea of uh, buried, you know, buried buried secrets. Mm. I mean, that sort of tied in perfectly with the the real Butterbox Babies story in Nova Scotia. Um, the literal unearthing of yeah. Joseph Carmichael in the well. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it's also really an interesting film because of, you know, it's Canadianness. It's yeah. arguable Canadianness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, I guess, to bring listeners up to speed, it's from the tax shelter era. It, it is, yes. It was when you could make any movie in Canada as long as you figured out how to finance it. And exactly. And usually... It was a bunch of dentists, right? Exactly. Who expected a return on their invest on their investment? Yeah, this was one of the Drabinsky ones, wasn't it? It was. was yes, yeah. yes. Mary Kassar and the, uh, um, you know, there's so much fun in it because they had a decent budget. They had like about seven million dollars, I think, which even today is be still a decent budget. Yeah. But you know, you have a story that even if it's even if it's mostly financed. You know, by by dentists, um, it still feels like a, just a real piece of Canadian lore, even though all of its roots and antecedents are are from the U.S. Yeah, George C. Scott, you know, General Patton, terrified by a bouncing rubber ball yeah. coming down the stairs. Um, I love their use of uh, wide angle. I read Ebert's review, and he didn't like the wide angles and stuff. I found it. I found it incredibly creepy. I mean, they they yeah. milk the fourteen millimeter lens. It's disquieting. It's disquieting. Right? Like, you know exactly. Something, something isn't right, even though all, there's nothing, and and the lack of visual effects. You know, like the fact that it's exactly. actually pretty minimalist for a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You just. I mean, now you look at stuff like The Conjuring and and those the slow burn horror films that are sort of reclaiming that. Mm-hmm. They still fall back on. A big booga booga CG scare or yes. something reaching out of the darkness where there couldn't be anything 
the thing that I remember being freaked out the most by in the Changeling is that there's nothing there, and yet yeah. the tension never goes away. Exactly, exactly. There's, there's always the sense of something is watching, something mm-hmm. is, there's a sense of dread around the most mundane scenes. Like, you don't even feel safe when you're at the historical society in yeah. that film. Oh, yeah, so no, you, not, yeah. they have nothing. They're not going to help. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it was all, it was all, you know, I, it was my favorite era too of, of horror. It was the era my dad raised me on. Uh, you know, we just spoke about Jaws as we were setting up here. Yeah. Um, you know, Rosemary's Baby probably was the beginning of that in the late sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of a cult wave that. Yes. Yes. The Omen exactly. The Exorcist, The Shining. Um, and, and, and uh, the Changeling, you know, we were well into the slasher era when the Changeling hit. And, uh, but it still stood the test of time. I'm, someone just posted something in the AV Club a few months back saying, is the Changeling the scariest movie of all time? <laughs> and it was, an, it was an argument. It was, yeah. a, it was a, hey, what do you think? Do, is, do, can we make an argument for this? I was like, you know, it's nice seeing that movie get, get its due. I remember, I remember I was asked to participate in naming Canada's top 10 films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I uh, was, there's a few, quite a few filmmakers and critics and programmers on it. Oh, this was the TIFF thing. Yeah, I was part of that. Yeah, and I, I, and I put the Changeling on there. I also put Atlantic City on there, another tax shelter yeah, film. that's a good It's was one. like, yeah, it's, it's those, those were, you know, I think if, if in this day and age we can celebrate the Canadianness of, of Room, Sure. You know, which I mean, was yeah, which disingenuously, but disingenuously, sure. then you know we we should certainly reclaim and not be ashamed of, you know, our participation in the tax shelter films. We're just as Canadian as oh yeah, as anything. I mean, they find. launched Cronenberg, they launched Reitman, yeah. Animal Girls was a tax shelter. Absolutely, film. absolutely, Rabbit, yeah. absolutely. Porky's Black Christmas. Sure. There's always one or two valid reasons for any fad. Seriously. In this case, it was just a tax incentive that ended up. Launching, yeah, actually launching a movement, launching careers, getting it's true. people it's true. jobs. And, it's so true. Yeah. And this is, is it the scariest movie ever made? It's certainly the scariest of the tax shelter films. I would I mean, say. There's a lot of horror, but. I would say. This one's, I think it's probably the scariest movie of all time if you see it at the right age. I would, yes, that's, that's, that's arguable, absolutely. I agree with that. I, uh, so yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, it's it's that's such a hard question. That what is this? It's all so subjective. But I like I enjoyed reading that for that. You know, as a Canadian, yay, gay Canada, <laughs> we, we can do this. Yeah, and you know, I think we're finally reaching an era in, in Canadian film finance where where we don't have to be uh, ashamed of making really. You know, thoughtful, character-driven, story-centered uh, genre films. Sure. Like Get Out was a huge success this year. The Shape of Water, which was has a very large con- Toronto connection. Sure, right here, yeah. Yeah, and um, um, you know, I hope I hope we'll continue to celebrate that that Canada's ecosystem can have all kinds of different movies in it, different kinds of movies. They don't have to be highbrow. You know, Berlin all, uh, you know, films. They they can they can be, you know. There's many different kinds of quality. And, yeah, I mean, genre in itself is not a sin. Um, exactly. There's there's literally no reason not to treat horror or science fiction or, yeah. or comedy as lesser than. Right. Yeah. People do it all the time, it's, yeah. which isn't fair. I just I watched the F word again this weekend. Um, yeah. 
friend of mine was in town from from Scotland. She was staying here and hadn't seen it. And it's like, well, this is a really good Toronto movie. Why don't we actually look at this? And it was my fourth or fifth time through. And it's just, I think it's really great. I yeah. mean, I always liked it, but it get, it's one of those films that gets richer the more you see it, the work that went into it. And yeah, it's very fun. The huge cast, and most of them are locals. And yeah. every time I watch it, I was saying this on Twitter, uh, every time I watch it, I noticed one more person who has since become famous in a small role in the F word because yeah. we have that many talented people. It's that's so that's so cool. It's like it's like our American graffiti. Yeah, it kind of is now. <laughs> weirdly enough, um, so with the Changeling, you have a really small cast. I mean, I was I was kind of surprised at mm-hmm. how minimal it is. I remember it as being really small and quiet, except yeah. it's terrifying. Uh, but it is really like it's on Scott's shoulders that whole he is it's very yeah it's very it's very concentrated um you know it's it's really you know and 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 the elephant in the room is of course the supernatural presence uh that you know Scott spends as much time in conflict with that Mm -hmm. with which is mainly sound driven for the most part and, and that wheelchair you know that wheelchair is one of the scariest props ever conceived. Yeah, um, and it's so simple. Yeah, so simple. Like like the rubber ball, the 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 wheelchair, the music box. These things all, you know, become characters that he interacts with yeah. as he as he as he is compelled down down into the well of of what of what happened here. And the seance scene is is you know still one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in horror history. It could have gone so wrong. And yet it was so right, and uh, and it just still still stands out. Yeah. yeah. So, how old were you when you first saw it? I would have had to have been. I don't think I saw it in the theaters. My dad really pushed the boundaries with me, and when I was growing up in Sydney, like I, I was the firstborn, I was his movie buddy. Yeah. So he would, you know, take me to you know Jaws. He tried to get me into the Deer Hunter, and the <laughs> the uh, the ticketeer was like, no, no. <laughs> I think I got in to see The Shining. Which was a miracle. Um, you know what? I think my dad took me to that actually, the Changeling. That's the first time I saw it, uh, and he, uh, we, we both, we both loved it. It was just really, it was just a genuinely. I remember, you know, having this creepy feeling right out, right away. So yeah, I caught up to it. I think I saw it on pay TV first time. Really, like first choice of Super Channel or whatever it would have been in the early eighties. I missed it theatrically. I think I probably, if I'm being honest, I probably talked myself out of going. Yeah. <laughs> everybody was saying how scary it was. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, there were, there was, it was a tra- it was at the trailer, remember the trailers? The, yeah. uh, the voiceover? Yeah. Like yeah. the changing. It was like, disturbing. Yeah, that stentorian frame. thing. Yeah. Mm. It was, yeah, it was something <laughs> I, I had, I had, I had to go see. I mean, I got it. My dad pushed the boundaries. There are a few things. I wanted to see Cronenberg shivers back then. And, Right. Even the ad scared me on that one. I mean, yeah. when we were doing The Child Remains, I knew I wanted a really powerful, iconic image like the 70s films used to have. Like, It's Alive, like Rosemary's Baby, yeah, like yeah, the Pray yeah. for Rosemary's Baby. Oh, the It's Alive trailer scared the crap out of me. Yeah. I, was, I mean, just, I was eight. It's but... just genuinely... It's like, those are the formative years when you get warped. I mean, my little brother... My little brother was just... You know, he was the tag-along. He's seven years younger than me, but... He wanted to. By the time VCRs came on, he was 10, 10 years old. We were watching Halloween when it came out on video in the mid-80s. Right. And my brother was like, I want to watch it. Watch it. Chris, Chris, you know, I don't think you should do this. And he, wa- and he still, he's 
41 years old now <laughs> and still hates jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> he's still very disturbed by michael myers like i mean i don't blame him yeah oh yeah like halloween 78 was i mean that was one i definitely wasn't allowed in <laughs> but i remember people talking about it which only made me beg my father to take me more right I, that was usually my response too but something about the changing i don't know that's the I just my, I'm not I'm I'm fine with everything now. I actually I love the genre, but the Changeling was one that was just like I'm gonna have to sit and watch people wait to get scared. It's that kind of movie where yeah. it's just gonna be creepy and creepy and creepy. And I even now I don't like those movies. I, they, it's not that I'm afraid of them, but I take no pleasure in in watching someone stand around and wait. Yeah, and because it's just a matter of timing. And yes, that becomes math, and that's. Less yeah. interesting than art to me. Yes. But then I finally watched it and it's like, oh, this is actually really good. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's just the marketing made it feel like the, exactly the kind of movie I don't enjoy. But it turns out, no, it's actually really good. It's, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. I mean, it happens. I still now I've had to see all the Insidious movies and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's torture. I don't enjoy it. I'm not a big, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that style. Yeah. You know, the. The Blue Mouse model—they've been very successful with it. Sure, and sometimes it really pays off. Yeah, first paranormal activity is great. Yeah, it's very, very good. Great. Absolutely. Um, and the audience, audiences are being built up toward an expectation of, of, of you know, kind of a formula. The way mm. that we were having talks at Hot Docs last night about that there's, it, there seems to be like a formula develop a nascent formula for a Netflix original doc. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I, I think audiences are are getting a little bored with. The jump scare formula, like like that, they're that they come at you in such a predictable way that yeah. you know Um. But you know, I I felt like you know I wanted to use the, the those elements very sparingly, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, and sneak not, up on the audience. Yeah, it's not what the child remains is about. Exactly, it's not what the changeling is about. I exactly, mean, and the There's, changeling takes pleasure in in disturbing imagery rather than a jump. Exactly. That ball comes at you slowly. You have enough time to wonder where it came from. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, oh, yeah. the wheelchair kind of bursts at you once or twice. Yeah, yeah. The wheelchair, yeah. It's, it's, it's like when, they're, when, they're, when it's used, when it's... it's one thing I, I realized when I was directing it is that there's an arc. There's, this, there's an arc to horror mm-hmm. that as a viewer, I'd sort of been aware of, just, but there really is an arc to scaring the audience. I mean, it's separate from a s- screenplay structure. It's separate from... You know how a director maps the emotional beats. There's this. There's this. There's an arc of scares, and 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 you you need to be very precise about what you want the audience to be scared of. What level of fright do you want them to be at? Suspense, dread, at any given time, in order mm. to really maximize the moments that you want to be maximized. Yeah, I mean it's it's like a musical scale, really. Right? Yeah, like, it is very like very like and... very like that. Yeah, it's, rather than you know which you know some of these you know Hollywood style. You know, movies are basically throw everything at the wall, and 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 if we get a few scares out of it. We'll get good word of mouth on Twitter, and we'll have a decent, you know, opening. Yeah, all you want you is know. the first weekend, and then yeah, so the rest. So exactly. But it's was it the it was the Friday the Thirteenth films, right? That had the formula of every seven minutes someone had to die. There had to be a kill. I never, I was not aware of that, Norm, but I, it wouldn't surprise me. The, yeah, towards the like the fourth or fifth, I think, is when it's I, yeah it itself down. The first one. In 1980, I believe. 80, yeah, yeah. I, it's still my favorite of those. Um, speaking of, you know, you know, 
star search. I mean, like you've got like Kevin yeah. Bacon in there. You've got uh, a couple of other famous young who went on to be famous. Yeah, wasn't it? It's the fourth one that has Crispin Glover and Corey Feldman. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so it's yeah, but I remember that one was it was quite you know it's it had a scary start. You know, someone was killed early, and then it was quite a lull, quite a mm-hmm. not a lull, but uh, it's calm. Calm, yeah, like I mean, it's, it's establishing sneaks a- up on you. You know, something's going to happen, but it makes you wait till for it to happen. And, yeah, and that can be very potent. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like that style. So. Yeah, first one's like an orgy when it happens, like an orgy of murder. It's just death, 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 death. Yes, but until that happens, you spend a lot of time wondering why you're yeah. watching the film, and which is like it's good when the character work is solid and there's stuff to hang on to yeah uh, the later ones are just like well we need to kill someone around now so let's introduce a hermit yeah or a cop <laughs> or you know, those secondary characters who you've never seen before you'll never see again seriously and that's you know it was scream was such a reaction against yeah. the formula formalization of horror uh and you know that you knew it was gonna die right away you knew that was gonna happen that was gonna happen mm-hmm. you know the 70s you know precursors to the Changeling, you know, Toe Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, yeah. you know, a revelation because, you know, it was shot like a documentary which presaged Blair Witch, but it was that sense of just, you know, dread on a low budget. Yeah. That made so many filmmakers, you know, myself included, when I finally ultimately did get to see it, inspired by, you know, you don't, especially in the East Coast, too, in our more, you know, we've had such issues with tax credit, the tax credit being cut and, trying to prove our worth of the government and still make films mm-hmm. that they are, uh, they're kind of the kind of movie that we can make even without a lot of resources. Sure. And, well, and I mean, yeah, we could contribute to Canadian culture, you know, even with stripped resources and even at the, you know, you know even having to defend ourselves against our own government. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sort of stuff is supposed to inspire creativity, right? In every yeah. in every myth you hear, it's when things are bad. That's when the art gets good. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. you can do it without starvation wages and stuff. Ah, ideally, right? Ideally, yes. There's a way through. Um, and and certainly the, the stuff in in the best horror films is rooted in, you know, humanity, anxiety. Rosemary's yeah. Baby is a great example. There are yeah. no special effects until the eyes at the very end. And, exactly. And the dream sequence, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's about something that's totally relatable. It's about a woman trying to figure out if she's okay yep. and if her baby is okay. Absolutely. And then I'm thinking of, well, Get Out's another terrific one where it's mm. all about paranoia and social conditioning until it isn't. Then it's a monster movie. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and The Changeling is about dread. Like, it's about... Yeah. It's like a... It's, I mean, just... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is actually a great comparison because they're both about a bad house. Ultimately, like, that's what it comes right. down to. That's right. The space is is poisonous, is toxic. Yeah. And figuring out why is the big mystery for the changing, but also, emotionally, we're trapped in a bad house. You can't... Yeah. You know, you, you can totally understand why they don't just leave. Yeah. Uh, and to, in Chainsaw, it's because they can't. Yes. And in The Changeling, it's because, well... It would be dumb to leave, right? Like you're, he's, the characters are fighting their own yeah. conditioning. There, it's yeah. like I'm not going to be spooked out of my own home, even though he has every reason. He's got a oh yeah past that's weighing on him. He's got grief and dread and yeah, oh yeah. And Scott somehow going as big as he goes manages to be vulnerable, and it's a really weird thing for him to do. It's right? it's it's so true. I mean, um, 
As you, you say, know, it's I, like watching General Patton go crazy. I yeah, I've enjoyed his performances. You know, from you know, Anatomy of a Murder, uh, like right through his career, he's just a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of the one of the greats, I would say. Um, you know, he he uh, he he feels like he needs to solve you know solve solve this mystery. He's 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 he be I think he become he. He steps outside of himself to, uh, you know, I think re-embrace his daughter, who he lost tragically in the opening few minutes, through the entity uh, of the child, and and it's uh, it is you're right, it's quite it's it is it's vulnerable, yeah. and another great character actor, Melvin Douglas, in, in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a, from HUD through God, so many great roles, and and he's the scene where he and Scott face down. Is just riveting. It's like you, you can tell those two. These two guys are like, you know, even this movie doesn't turn out to be scary. I'll get to act with this other legend. Yeah. For this one great scene, and uh, and it is really really powerful. Stuff. Yeah, and there's a pleasure of performance that we can take out, but it's also they're not selling it as uh, as stunt casting or yeah. a joke. Like they're really committing. Yeah, they're just being character actors, being character actors, and yeah, which is so cool. It's it's. It's uh, it's it's something we don't get to see enough of these days. Yeah, yeah. and you mentioned too. I I was trying to figure out how to fold it in, but the 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 through line emotionally about his about losing his daughter mm-hmm. gives Scott something. Not not just to play in the movie, but it also leads into this whole other aspect of horror films and or films about the supernatural, which no one ever talks about. It's always unstated within the movie and yeah. and the conversation around it. But it was something that came up when I was discussing signs with um Cat Angus and, and Jocelyn Getty on their podcast. Signs? Yeah, the show. And my channel? Yeah. Oh really? Interesting. Well, because by making the character a minister and and having him lose his faith when he loses his wife, the idea of the that film's ending is basically God sent signals, which is fine. But it's meaningful to the character specifically because if the supernatural is real, if God is real, then heaven is real, then my wife, I will see her again. And that's clearly what's driving Scott is the idea that his daughter isn't gone. Yeah. But it never comes out. It's never articulated. It's that's just true. That there's, that there's a sense of a spirituality in it. He's looking for meaning. He's yes, looking for clarity. Yes, yes. That's very, that's very yeah. interesting. Well, it, uh, makes well it, observed. it makes it more tragic, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's playing it. Yeah. Because uh, he was right at that point, too, with things like hardcore. He was playing you know, broken fathers a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're he right. He seemed to be in that pocket. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Uh, enough about the production I really wish I did that there were more stories about it but it's because of the tax shelter thing it was sort of treated shamefully there's not a lot of history about a lot of those movies yeah yeah and I'd love to know what you know like how he and Medic approached it and I would seriously love that I mean all I really I, I, I glanced at Wikipedia just to remind myself of some things but yeah, it's all pretty thin it is pretty thin I I guess you know there was some you know Medak was the f- third director yeah. I can't believe he won it. Like he had a very interesting career. Like you mentioned, the ruling. I think you have the ruling class. The ruling class. And, and then Zorro the Gay Blade a few years later. Species two. Is yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, but he also made the craze. Yes. Which yes. is tremendously yes. good. Um, with the Kemp brothers. Absolutely, the craze is so good. Yeah, written by Philip Ridley. Yeah, those, those, that was the, the one the Spano ballet movie. Yeah, the two guys. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, that was excellent. Very Martin underrated. Martin, yeah, only one of whom is still an actor. Yeah, it's a great together. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah, no, and he went, and I think Romeo was bleeding too was one of his, which is this I think so, yeah. really messy kind of attempt at post Tarantino stuff, but it didn't really work. It's got yeah. a, it's got a great performance from Lena Olin as like a velociraptor. She's just oh, cool. she's a monstrous. I'll have to check that. I haven't seen that one. I'll yeah, that gangster he's, person. He's still making movies, I guess. So it's, I didn't. He's no obituary. He's eighty one. Oh, good for him. He was directing on Breaking Bad a couple of years ago. So That's right, I remember being really surprised when I saw his name pop up. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it's it's what you know what else I mean. I come, was always under the impression it was mostly shot in Toronto, but I guess only the university scenes were shot in Toronto. Yeah, a lot of mostly Vancouver and Victoria. Yeah, that surprised me too. Yeah, because it doesn't look like BC. It doesn't. It's it doesn't. Cold and I mean, I guess it is cold and damp sometimes, but it you know, feels more wintry. It feels it, more. Yeah, I was. I always sort of imagined it was like in some, like a you know, a little alcove off, you know, uh, high high park or something. <laughs> like you know, some of those little Warrens where you. Drive down a lane and there's this big creepy house. Yeah, I but, figured it was out of town, like you know, twenty minutes north. Yeah, like where they shot most of Agnes of God, or uh, yeah. what was the other one? Oh, the Brood, which is that that kind of isolated Toronto urban suburban yes. thing going on. You can still tell you're in a city, but you're not. But there's trees and a big footprint. Yes, yeah, yes, for the house. So um, yeah, it's you know the uh, the other the other the other cast the other cast. I mean, not a hugely Canadian contingent but yeah, they imported John Colicos is always great to see in a movie I mean if those him and Francis Highland I mean were in all the Canadian yeah. movies back then yeah they were the go-tos <laughs> she, yeah she was in Happy Birthday to Me I mean you knew she was like one of those things like you're watching TV and it's like this is Canadian. I know her. Yeah. You know, it's, but she's so good and what a great what a great character actress and oh yeah no everybody's doing exactly what's required nobody's absolutely nobody's phoning it in nobody's nobody's winking exactly it's it's either because I guess I know Scott could be pretty intimidating as a co-star so they're just bringing their A-game I imagine yeah or it's you know it's the job and they're doing a good job of it there there was always I guess it probably starts with the with the script Mm. uh, rather than the director but there's always a sense with well something like the kidnapping of the president which was shot in Toronto around the same time mm-hmm. is just garbage and everybody knows it and it's one of those films where you're watching people sleepwalk yeah or oh my favorite example that was the one I couldn't remember Starship Invasions oh god which yeah. I'm sure you saw right because <laughs> yeah. we're about the right age I saw that theatrically that was I know the worst I was just yeah my, my friends and I saw it we were like what the hell was that yeah if anybody's yeah. listening Starship Invasions is probably on YouTube it's absolutely not worth purchasing <laughs> Uh, but there will be clips of it because Christopher Lee wore a big polymer suit and talked telepathically through the big bulge on his head. And oh, it's just so, so lame. Unforgivably bad. Not even Planet Nine bad. It's no, like, no, it's yeah. just bad. Yeah. No one's having any fun. Yeah. Uh, you can't take pleasure in it. And it's this whole plot to make the people of Earth commit suicide by oh, alien boy. ray. But, oh, it's bad. But that's like that was shot in Toronto. It was made by people who were completely dead inside. Yeah. And it's... From the word go, like, the costumes are lazy somehow. Nobody cared. Yeah. And with the Changeling, you have people who aren't approaching it as a thing that will be churned out as yeah. part of this assembly line of, of Canadian productions. It's yeah. a movie. Yeah, it was made... You can tell it was made with, you know, integrity and a real and a real purpose. A purpose to scare you. Mm. A purpose to tell a story. A purpose to, you know, lead with character and lead with story. And the scares uh, were were even more palpable because you actually cared. There wasn't any cheesy dialogue. It was, 
you know, it was, it was, it was, it's a great, it's, it's a great touchstone for a filmmaker in the, you know, 2000, 2018, like, you know, as we're, as, as the world's starting to turn a little bit back toward that, I mean, we went through torture porn, now we're in jump scareville, you know, it would be, it would be nice to, and refreshing, I think for audiences to, you know, embrace story again. Yeah. And the changeling, if you're listening, is a great place to start exploring the history of Canadian horror. Yeah. It's one of those, it's not forgotten exactly. I think the, the trailer is still floating around the internet. Oh yeah. Freaking people out. And the score, the score is oh, so inspirational to us and when we were scoring our movies. Yeah. So you, you said it was an influence, but how closely now, how closely do you feel you drew on it? Wow. Um, cause this sort of folds into the yeah. key question of the podcast. Yeah. The, what if anything? The, it was, I'd say it was, you know, very, you know, very, very influential. Uh, the, the, the structure of the film, I mean, it begins with, you know, a terrible, a terrible loss. It gets your attention right away. Mm-hmm. And I must have been in my mind when I was writing The Child Remains because it was, it was like, I know the audience attention spans are so short right now. Um, festival programmers' attention spans are short. Like, and I also have a short attention span. Um, I love film, but I love when a movie grabs me right away. I love when I feel like I'm I'm in the control the control of the film and I can relax and buy in. And uh, so the changeling certainly has that. Um, and and then it you know it gets into its story fairly fairly quickly without a lot of preamble. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in, I was definitely influenced by Scott's musician character, Alan Alco's musician character in my film. Yeah. I mean, the piano key going down in the empty room was a definite homage uh, <laughs> to the Changeling. Um, uh, yeah, the uh, the way that the music box is played in the Changeling as little Joseph is being drowned is what the song that Alan thinks he's composing in the house in the child remains is the same song that Rose turned on to drown out the sounds of her smashing the baby's head against the door. <laughs> so, so I, 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 yeah, I was the change. I was, was very, you know, it wasn't like conscious, like here, I'm going to do the changeling now. I mean, I did. If you, if you go in tight on some of the shots of the wine bottles in my, in my <laughs> film, you know, one is Carmichael Valley Estates. Right. You know, the other, there's another one called Myers, Myers Strode Estate Family, <laughs> Myers Strode Family Estate Winery. <laughs> so so like, they worked it out. Ah, I love these drinks. <laughs> so, yeah, they worked it out. Um, yeah, it's, and the score, especially, the score was, the Changeling score, if you just listen to it without any images, it's mm-hmm. a scary score. And it uses many different uh, sounds and, and, voices like there's a little you know it's it's a goth it's very gothic yeah very piano driven um and well it has to be ornate right because the character is a composer and and yeah has to reflect that you couldn't just precisely precisely uh and and i remember going to asif my composer and saying okay there's two there's two scores really we're gonna look at this the changeling yeah and i said i'm about five six tracks on youtube i said before we start talking, start even talking, you're gonna listen to this. And the other was the fog. Carpenter's oh, yeah. the fog, which is another great, I think, underrated in his sort of canon. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I loved it. It's still up there with Halloween. And it was such a maritime story. Mm-hmm. And in our film, we we couldn't mention Nova Scotia for legal reasons. Um, uh, really just so your butterbox adjacent, kind of? The- yeah. So we had, yeah, like we couldn't, you know, it's, it's just for protection, you know, frivolous litigations. Mm. Um, so I wanted the Maritimes in the film. And I said, you know, wherever we can get the Maritimes in this movie... And it's not that hard because, I mean, it looks like Nova Scotia in the late fall. I mean, yeah. the trees, the... Well, the sweaters, know, right? The I mean, sweaters. It's a specific look. Exactly. And and the wind. We have a very chilly wind. And, and, and the fog had a very beautiful maritime score uh, that evoked the sea. And mm. and we those were the two scores that we really built, built from. And I had a wonderful composer. And he could, you know, create... One of the sounds I, I wanted was the uh, the Aztec death whistle, which okay. is one of the creepiest sounds you'd ever hear in your life. It's what it's made from a human skull originally, and the Aztecs would blow into it when they were about to have a human sacrifice. And people have learned how to make them or to recreate them, right. and it's just a terrifying, terrifying <laughs> sound. <laughs> like you know, it's it's hard to be it's hard to be fresh. Like as much as you know, I wanted to do a tribute to the great 70s films, you always have to find ways to make it, to make it fresh for, you know, audiences have seen, horror audiences especially are so jaded. Sure. They've seen so many different movies. It's like, you know, I know we, I wanted to go in with, you know, this is based on true events and it's not just a spurious inspired by true events. When we did move things around in the t- timeline of the ideal maternity home when we were creating the mercy home. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it it was, you know, that and, you know, as many fresh elements as we could get into it um, while still keeping our integrity and not, you know, being way out there in terms of, you know, what kind of movie we wanted to make. Right. We knew what we were making. Yeah. And, and, the, and it was like, stay close to the antecedents, like the Changeling, um, Rosemary's Baby, the Orphanage. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, again, you know, like the real conflict is between the characters trying to figure out if they're losing their minds or if something is after them or truly happening. Exactly. And that stuff is the, is the good stuff. Like, yeah. That's the Psychological stuff. horror is, is really fun to write and actors love it. I mean, it's the only reason with our budget we were able to get Suzanne. Hmm. We have the same agent, but Suzanne is very picky yeah, <laughs> and yeah. very good, very talented. Uh, I remember when she was here for... Um, my internship in Canada, she was saying yeah. she basically had to be lured to read the script because it's like comedy. Oh, I don't want to do it. She's just completely not interested in the genre. And then yeah. suddenly she's doing a great job. Oh, she's, she's, she's just capable of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, characters, act, actors, especially when they're successful, like Alan and Shelley and Suzanne, they're, they're lured. They're, they're, <laughs> they, they can be they can be tempted by a good story and and dimensional characters sure. to they'll get into uh, that will get the one set and George C Scott is another plays a somewhat weaker character I mean for a guy who played you know Patton and some of the other great roles he's played the hustler sure. I mean, even Strangelove, right? I mean, that's, even Doctor Strangelove. Oh God! Like an upright, big energy <laughs> role for him. <laughs> How did that not be in my head at this moment? <laughs> of course, yeah. they don't like to play weak, and they they, you know, my limited experience writing for stars of uh, various various echelons in the constellation, 
they don't like to play weak, especially male characters, unfortunately. Sure. I would think, you know, some of the great roles, I mean, essayed by Daniel Day-Lewis, who, you know, loves to play weak, flawed characters, you know, would be an inspiration. But, but, uh, but vulnerability is still a hard sell. Vulnerability can be a hard sell, even in this enlightened era that we live in. And, and so we see in George C. Scott's Changeling and Alan Hawko, you know, I was like, I love the actor. I, I thought we were friends. I thought he might be interested if he was not too busy. He was right in the middle of shooting Frontier. Okay. He, he what is you know saint? He loved the, he loved the script. He loved the character. He stopped basically. He was a producer on Frontier, and he altered the schedule of Frontier <laughs> to come and do our film, nice. which is really really uh, cool. And he's um, such a cool, front, nice guy. Him and Susan is so so nice to work with. Uh, and it was a weak character. Like it was. Well, he's uncertain. He's un- right. he's uncertain. He's he's vulnerable. Yeah. He's he's attackable um, by the you know underlying evil in the house, um, and you know as much as it's a you know a, a dialectic between two strong women, you know it takes two it takes two genders to make a baby. And I felt like, what's the male? How does the male element fit into all this? What what? How could we you know? You know, how can we explore how maleness is involved in this very female story? Right. And and Alan carries that. And yeah. uh and it's really it's really I'm really happy that he came on board. Yeah. Yeah. So now we just have to come up with like a digital hologram of George C. Scott so you can cast them together and see where that goes. <laughs> Seriously. I'm in, I'll watch it. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you know what? Normally we won't have to wait too long. <laughs> you know? Holograms, are they? You'll be watching movies. They'll be right here. Yeah, performance capture presentations and things. We're ugh, we're killing art. Seriously, like yeah, just it's, it's. I still think films are born in a set. They're born in collaborations with real people, uh, not in not in After Effects. On oh. you know your Final Cut Pro, like you know, there's a place. There's good things can be done with all that. Sure, but always in service to you know a higher purpose storytelling, which is why we're all. Still making movies, so I'm watching them. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And uh, also, it's just scarier to watch people. You know, yeah. CG. You just you can always tell. Yeah. Puppets are fun. Digital effects have their place, but yeah, it's it's just it's not as interesting to me to watch. Even you know, like even with something like the Marvel movies, when it turns into software fighting software, it's just less interesting. It's a program playing out. Dude, are... I'm so with you on that. So with you, as we opened against Infinity War last weekend, <laughs> this weekend, yes, I am so with you. Like, I can't. Like, I, you know, I enjoy comics as much as the next kid growing up, but I can't watch that. That's not. It's not. It's not. It's just not real to me. Yeah, it yeah. has its moments. It's still better than the DC movies. I heard. I heard. I have other critic friends who said said it's actually probably one of the best of the that family of films. Yeah. But, I like Civil War more. Yeah, so it's it's yeah it's they're gonna they're gonna keep making them. If you oh, yeah. keep build, it's like you build it, they will come and they will keep coming, and Hollywood will keep making those things. Yeah, and so. we get to have smaller movies as an alternative. Well, yeah, counter programming. Yeah, and it's like you know what? I'll put my storytelling up against theirs any day of the week, but it's the marketing dollars they have. I mean, That's their true. marketing budget is like probably as much as Canada's gross domestic product. You know, and yeah. we're, we're we're trying to get the word out with, you know, a very modest marketing budget. Thank you, Telephone Canada, if you're listening. 
but we're also, you know, it's, it's, it's 50,000 against, you know, 55 million probably. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, well, it's a good fight to fight. That's thank you, Norm. I appreciate it. It is a good fight to fight. It's the only fight I think we, we can make right now. My thanks to Michael Melsky, whose new film, The Child Remains, opens in Toronto, Vancouver, and St. John's this Friday, April 18th. Thanks also to Angie Power. She knows what she did. You can find Michael on Twitter at Michael Melsky, all one word, and you can find The Changeling on DVD from HBO Home Entertainment. It doesn't seem to have ever made it to a Blu-ray or any streaming services, which is a shame. I'm like, Shutter should pick it up. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you feel like leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps, it truly does. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. The Wheelchair. Mm-hmm.